The world may be on fire, but there are changemakers that are even more fired up with a commitment to do some serious good. You're listening to People Making Things Better, where we interview folks who you maybe haven't heard of before, but who are having a big impact on today's issues with the environment, equality, human rights, public health, and more. We're not afraid to ask the tough questions about how they're able to do work that the world needs and still get paid for it. Listen in and get inspired because the world needs you in action too. I'm your host, Bert Westfall, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melinda Jackson. Well, today on the show, we have a guest named Eliza Erskine, and she founded a consulting company named Green Buoy Consulting. Welcome, Eliza. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I know a little bit about your business, but I'm excited to hear where you're at today and all of the great work that you've been up to. I was wondering if you could give us a quick snapshot of what you do. I founded a company called Green Buoy Consulting, and we are a sustainability consulting firm um, that provides sustainability services to small and medium-sized businesses, which means that we help companies create strategies to help improve their impact on the environment. Awesome. We were just talking on last week's episode about climate change and sustainability and how we want a whole army of people to be working (laughs) on that in every capacity. So it's exciting to be talking to you. Can you tell us a little bit more in this context what sustainability means? What do you actually do for your clients? So The way that I think about sustainability is looking at the impact that a company has on both their environment, the people that work for them, and the people that they sell to, and their impact on profitability. So how the decisions that they're making affect the environment, whether that's through purchasing or through supply chain how the decisions they're making affect their employees. So are they offering good employee benefits? What kind of wages are they paying their employees? And then profitability, are they investing in other companies that are good? Are their investment practices and their governance and their board of directors focusing on the things that I just talked about? Got it. So it sounds all-encompassing, looking at lots of different angles of a company and the different opportunities to be sustainable. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, And then depending on what a company's industry is, what their interest is, um, some companies just want to focus on the environment, and that's totally great. Other companies just want to look at their supply chain. So it really depends on what the company wants in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But I think the sort of industry standard is to look at that holistic view Mm -hmm. and figure out how to best fit what you're doing into those categories. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the interesting things about consulting businesses. You can really, you know, customize what your client really needs, right? Yes. Yeah. I definitely found that to be true. Mm -hmm. So do you also take a look at office operations and the day-to-day down into the nitty-gritty, the way that the office is being run, and if that's sustainable as well? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of companies are making choices, even just, you know, in the lights that you put in your office and Mm -hmm. the food that you order. And if you offer paper or plastic silverware, a lot of those decisions, people just don't really think about until somebody comes in and says, hey, why are we using styrofoam cups for coffee? And those things can seem really trivial to some people, I think, but it gets people in that mindset of what you're doing has an impact. And you can sort of take that into, okay, well, you know, we're buying from this supplier. Do we have a supplier that's closer to home? Like it just to sort of, I think, can set off a domino effect Mm -hmm. when you start looking at the sort of inner office things that can lead to a bigger change. Yeah, I agree with that totally. It's kind of like a mindset that you have to get into, even in your personal life, to just being mindful about all the little decisions that add up. And, you know, when you're just one person, it may feel like, oh, well, you know, what I do doesn't matter that much. But if everybody were to move towards a more mindful approach, then that does have big impact. And I think even when you look at an individual, if you look at an individual over the course of their life or even their year, like if you think about how many single plastic use items that you've used in a year or 10 years, like I think we sort of knock ourselves down for saying like, oh, well, one person can't really have an impact. But I think if you look at through your lifetime and the number of people that see you taking those actions, like your kids or your friends or your parents, it sort of creates hopefully other people to get thinking about that as well. Absolutely. And leading by example. Yes, definitely. So switching gears to talk about how you got into this work. So a lot of our listeners are trying to figure out what their next step might be if they were to move to the social impact space and whether that would be starting their own business or nonprofit or working for another company that's already doing mission-driven work they believe in. So Mm -hmm. we'd love to get into the nuts and bolts of how you got into this. Can you tell us how this all started? Sure. So I grew up in the Pacific Northwest Mm -hmm. um, in Washington State and just grew up recycling and composting just naturally. Like my parents are really into the environment. My grandparents are, I think, just growing up in a place where you see trees and fish and water all the time, it really shows you exactly what you're trying to help. So it was just always something that I, that was totally natural to me growing up. Like I didn't even really think about until I moved to college. I went to school in Boston and I got to school, this was in like 2006, and nobody was thinking about it, talking about it. People were just kind of tossing cups and I remember going to friends houses and they would use paper plates for dinner every night and I was just kind of like oh I just didn't know that this isn't how everybody was kind of doing things Mm -hmm. um and I studied business in undergrad and probably my like third or fourth week of school they brought in the person that was doing Walmart's sustainability And he gave a lecture on incorporating sustainable practices into business. Mm -hmm. And I was like edge of my seat, like just 
mind blown. I was like, oh my gosh, you can do this with business. Yeah. And I looked and my friend next to me was like dead asleep. (laughs) And I remember calling my parents and I was like, this is what I want to do. So I tried to do more stuff in undergrad. I studied environmental policy and then I ended up getting a master's degree in sustainability. And I think it was my second to last class or last class. We had to create a business. And in undergrad, I went to Boston University. I took entrepreneurship classes. I was always kind of interested in that world. And I had one class where we had spent a whole semester developing a business plan. And I did multiple kind of classes like that. So I was already thinking about it in that way. And then in my master's program, I took other, they called them like eco entrepreneurship classes. Okay. And one of my professors had a consulting company and he was like, we're working with Pepsi and all these big companies. And I was like, well, what about these smaller companies I think can kind of feel overwhelmed and intimidated by the Pepsis or just, I think people have this idea of being environmental or being sustainable where it's kind of an all or nothing thing. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to go to the max, then you're not Mm -hmm. doing it right. And I don't think that's true at all. Mm -hmm. So I created this idea of consulting, looking at small businesses, medium-sized businesses, and even at companies from a business plan perspective, just to say, is there anything that you can be doing that would be more environmentally friendly? So I pitched it in the class and it didn't really get a ton of traction, but kept going just kind of in that mindset of like sustainability should be for every company. Mm -hmm. And if they only want to spend 20 minutes a week doing it, then that's great. I have just always been in that sort of environmental headspace. So trying to figure out where to allocate it. So I think for other people that are thinking about social impact, what are you really interested in and passionate about and thinking about? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like something that has been ingrained in you for a long time. And then you ended up in this other part of the country where things weren't as you were used to them, right? And so for whatever reason that happened, and that was something that kind of woke you up. And then I love that you followed that excitement that you had listening to that speaker about conscious business and sustainable business. And the fact that you were wide awake and the people next to you. (laughs) I do love telling that story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, those are the moments to pay attention to because not everybody has a calling to work on this specific thing, even within the environmental scope, there's lots of different areas to work on. And so checking in with yourself and what are the things that are grabbing your attention or that you have a full body? Yes. And it sounds like that's what you had there. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think now, obviously looking back, you can sort of see how everything comes together, but taking like the classes that I took in college and taking entrepreneurship classes, I didn't think that and like, oh, well, this will help me start a business, but things that you're just kind of drawn to definitely Mm -hmm. work together to help you later in life. 
I, I love that. Like you don't even really know why you're taking this class right now or why this thing has crossed your path, but eventually right. the dots start connecting and it all starts to unfold and lead into something bigger. Tell me a little bit more about some of the struggles that you've had to overcome and some things that were especially scary, like right out of the gate when you were incorporating. So I um, started Green Buoy while I had my full-time job. So I was sort of like, okay, school is winding down. I need something to occupy my time. I don't know. I just felt like now I had these 20 hours a week and I wanted to see if I could kind of take this business that I had created in school and um, start doing it on the side and just kind of researching things. So I was lucky. My sister is actually a really talented graphic designer and she's a brand director. So she did all of my branding and all of my website design. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge thing for me to just get even a website. Right. But I mean, naively, I was like, oh, well, I will put a website up and the next day someone will knock on my door and say, hey, I saw your website. I'd love to pay you to do my sustainability. This sounds great. I love that this comes up because when I started my coaching business, I, it's like rationally, you know, that's not true, but like, there's this part of you that feels like, okay, I put the website up. Like, it feels like, um, like a storefront and you have yes. like a grand opening sign over the door and people are just going to start knocking immediately. <laughs> like, I don't, right. It's like rationally, I knew that wasn't true, but there was this part of me that still believed it. And one thing I want to point out here too, is I'd love that you right out of the gate, you had someone else doing your website for you. I mean, obviously you were probably very much a part of making the decisions on the branding and steering her in the right direction. But I know in my entrepreneurial story, if I could go back and not spend the hours that I did figuring out, first of all, how to build a website and then creating this whole look and feel only for it to be torn apart a year later. Yeah. So I incorporated, like I said, in February, 2018, my quote unquote launch was sort of tied to my graduation. So I took those six months leading up to work on my website. I reached out to people and said, you know, I'm still trying to build this idea. Can I use your business as a test? Can Mm -hmm. I do some of this free work and see if I can do it in my spare time and how it would sort of fit with my lifestyle? But I think you know, a big part of it for me was having people that I could reach out to and even just say like, do you know anybody that has started a business like this before in different contexts from school? It sounds like too, like you had to ask people for help and be willing to offer your services pro bono and just really start talking to a lot of people and gather information and gather help and support. And I think that that's a big first step too being willing to be humble about it too and say like this is an idea I have that I'm testing out and it's a great way to um, build your confidence and also see what the market is hungry for too right yeah I think that's definitely true I also hid behind the 
oh, well, I'm a student and mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn about this. Okay. Um, so I think that that was really helpful. I will say that I am definitely an introvert. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was not calling people. I was not meeting people. I was spending like an hour crafting a two sentence email to a friend of a friend that was like, hi, I'm thinking about doing this. And so that was, it was hard for me to kind of put myself out there. And even people would say like, oh, you know, you should talk to this person. That would make me nervous to be like, well, I don't know. Do they have time for me? Like, Mm -hmm. so I had to kind of fight my kind of knee jerk, like, oh no, that sounds scary. Mm -hmm. And frame it as more of a, you know, I'm still trying to learn about this. Well, it sounds like you found a reframe that worked for you, right? So, because it's like the difference between somebody who just has a far off idea and somebody who actually does something with that idea is you have to take some action with it, even though it feels scary and you feel like an imposter and you feel like, who am I to be reaching out to these people? I'm a nuisance or whatever. That's all the inner critic, by the way, Yeah, I know you and I have talked about before, but feeling nervous about doing something, but doing what you got to do to take that leap, whatever it is, and figuring out a way to frame it that works for you. So for you, it sounds like being able to say that you were a student, that was something that um, made you feel more comfortable reaching out to people. Yeah, definitely. And I think I didn't know this then, but as I sort of continued going and even now and reaching out to people and talking to people, it's really helpful for me to separate Green Buoy from myself. So Mm -hmm. I can say Green Buoy does this and Green Bowie helps people with this and Green Bowie is looking for advice on marketing so that it's not me mm. asking for it. It helps to have a separate entity that, yes, would love to go to that event or talk to this person. I found that to be another way to kind of take the heat off myself. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice. So what advice do you have for others who are looking to get more involved um, in the social impact space, no matter what cause it might be, what advice would you have based on your journey? Um, I think that starting as a side hustle definitely helped me. I mean, Mm -hmm. at that point, that was kind of my only option. and I just sort of fell into it that way. So I think, yeah, starting it as something that you're doing a little bit at night. This sounds lame, but I'm not watching a lot of TV. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, maybe not having as much fun with, you know, people that I normally hang out with because I was trying to do this on the side. So I think testing, if you want to give up other parts of your life to kind of make this more central, I think that's a good way to kind of test it and test the market. I think a lot of people do that now. doing the side hustle thing. But yeah, I mean, that definitely works for me. And then I think the thing that I didn't really anticipate is how much time alone you spend. Mm -hmm. Like it is just a lot of kind of mindset work I found. Right. Like you're the one I've obviously, if you have a co-founder, that's different, but I have to be the one that says, okay, remember three weeks ago when you thought the 
this wouldn't work and now it's working and you know, <laughs> let's take a, like, it's literally talking to yourself right. and saying, you can keep going, you can do this, you can do this, yeah. Um, yeah. which is really energy intensive a lot of the time. You're your own boss, I found. Right? And so yeah. what kind of boss do you want to be? Do you want to be an advocate and, uh, you know, kind of a coach to yourself or an encourager? <laughs> or are you going to be right. a boss that, you know, never lets their employees have any sort of work-life balance or <laughs> never rewards them for anything, right? It's a totally different, um, you know, role reversal or mindset that you got to get in when you're self-employed for sure. Yeah. I never thought about it as that way of like being your own boss, but yeah, uh -huh. it's definitely, it's definitely true. And I think, like I said before, having people as kind of a sounding board right? or people that say, do you know anybody that could help me with my website? Do you know anybody that has done this before and reaching out and getting yeah. advice or feedback from people that can also be from books or from YouTube videos. Like I find a lot of comfort in just reading about what other people have done or kind of going into my mm -hmm. like research hole and learning about different things. So I think, you know, if that's what people are comfortable with, if that's what you're into, then doing that. Or if you're interested in, you know, talking to people and trying to figure it out, I think you kind of, like you said, you can mold your business in a way that works for you and makes you feel most comfortable. Absolutely. Well, and I do want to point out, I know you said earlier that you are an introvert and it was difficult for you to, you know, pick up the phone and call people or do some of these reach outs and that as somebody who has done work on the coaching side with people who tend to be more introverted or quiet, I'd love to just hear more because you really do seem like you have found your groove in this and really are confident about what you're putting out into the world. And I imagine just having to ask around for different parts of your business that that has really helped to take you out of that comfort zone. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, I think that I found that it kind of builds on itself. Yeah. Once you send your first cold email and the world doesn't implode, you're like, okay, well, this is, you know, just keep, this is fine. We can, you know, take this kind of baby step to do this, um, or meeting people and going to different events. I think yeah. once you take that first scary step, it becomes easier, um, in a lot of ways. And I think, like you said, when I am working with businesses, I instantly am just sort of like, yes, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. This is it. This is everything that has been so scary. It's ultimately worth it. So being able to kind of push outside yeah. my comfort zone, I think has helped in a lot of ways, but it is, I think probably extra just emotional mm -hmm. work for me. Whereas other people will go to events and parties and right. I cannot even tell you the number of networking events that I have gone to and said like, okay, well, I'm going to talk to people. And just after like 10 minutes, I just can't do it and leave. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Oh, I wrote a whole article on <laughs> introverts and networking because it's, oh I know, my gosh, it's, it's, it's one oh. of the big things, right? And it is, it is so important though. I mean, who you meet in person, I mean, obviously you can meet people online and stuff too, but meeting people in person, it fast tracks your sense of trust with them and yeah it's just online it just takes a lot longer to kind of have an in with someone if you will but yeah it's it's a tough one I know and yet I want to call out that I do believe there is so much hidden talent and just amazing future leaders hanging out (laughs) on the the introvert side and you know as you can probably tell I'm still pretty passionate about those people as well, and especially introverts who want to make the world a better place. To anyone listening here who's too nervous to make those first steps and to push themselves out of that, being afraid to be heard or to be seen, it's like pay attention to that passion or that, you know, whatever that thing is that lights you up. Just like you said, Eliza, when you heard the the talk on sustainable business because the world really does need you. I really, really believe that. I know. I think a lot about the ideas that introverts have that no one knows about. I feel like I've had conversations (laughs) with people, with other introverts and they're like, Oh, I was always thinking about this thing. And I'm like, how long have you been thinking about that? Well, you know, just like three or four years. (laughs) Whereas I feel like other people would put kind of put it out immediately. So Yeah, totally. So we just like to also ask, what's another social impact issue that you really wish somebody or more people were working on besides the area that you are working on? Um, I have been thinking about this kind of recently and just how all these kind of social impact things are interconnected. And I think I get kind of stuck in, well, food waste or everything comes back to the environment, saving forests and saving trees. But I keep reading and I mean, I haven't done a ton of research into this yet, but I'm really interested in voting rights Mm. as an issue. I think so much of things that I care about, like gun rights or education and the environment, is dictated by who's in office, who's in power, right? Um, and making sure that people who want to vote and are eligible to vote are able to do that, I think kind of sets other things in motion and has a big impact in all of that. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you'll be pleased to listen to last week's episode then because we had somebody on who started a company named Motivote and it helps to motivate uh, the younger generations to get out there and vote. So a little bit different than like the voting rights, but along the same thread of at the individual level, surely we can do a lot, but there also needs to be policy. And if these are issues that you care about, really getting out there and voting and making sure that people are getting a fair chance to impact at the policy levels. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Eliza. Can we check you out on social media or where can we find out more about your business? Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really, really fun. So you can find me on Instagram at 
Greenbuoy Consulting and then also um, GreenbuoyConsulting.com. Those are the two best places too. So thanks again. This was really fun. Awesome. We'll put it in the show notes too for everyone. Have a great night, Eliza. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Mm -hmm.